0: Let's now hear from the word read from Romans chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 18 to the end of chapter 8, beginning verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. This is the word of the Lord. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature, or the creation, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and travails in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it likewise the spirit also helps on our infirmities for we know not what we should pray uh, pray for as we ought but the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered and he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god and we know that all things work together for good to them that love god to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of God, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword, as is written... For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May God bless. His precious word to our hearts. Again, Lord, we ask that you would uh, magnify your word to us. Uh, May we linger well upon it. Uh, May it be planted deeply, take deep root in our heart. Through the reading, the hearing, the preaching of your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, God has given us many, many blessings. All of us have talents, abilities, gifts. They all come from God. But there is this uh, this trio Of gifts that God gives to all His children. Sometimes I'm inclined to say a trinity of gifts faith, hope, and love. Faith in God. And in his son, Jesus Christ, who saved us, hope for the morrow that it will be wondrous. We have a bright, bright future. And of course, the greatest, love. Love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Love of what he's revealed to us in his word. About himself. This morning, I'd like to linger with you, if I may, on hope. It's different than faith, although it has a lot of similarities as well. By the way, Just as if you believe in God the Father, you must believe in his Son and in the Holy Spirit. Without that, you don't believe in the true and the living God. If you have faith, you're given hope and love as well. You can't have one without the other. So this is, again, a package deal, but I want to focus my attention, our attention, this morning on mainly verses 24 and 25, but within the context. For we are saved by hope, writes the apostle to the Romans. But hope that is seen is not hope. What a man sees, why does he yet hope for? But if we have hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Hope is a lot like faith, isn't it? That way. Because faith is believing in that which we cannot see, right? It's not faith if you can see it. It's not hope if you have it. But notice the context in which this this comes in. And it's interesting, verse 20. For the creature meaning all the creatures that are alive, the plant life as well, the creation itself, the universe. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him that has subject the same in hope. So the creation itself is saved, if you will, is brought out of bondage, the bondage of corruption through hope. Hope is its future as well. Now, it doesn't have a central nervous system. It doesn't communicate with us as uh, we do with each other. But the animals, they can communicate. They suffer. Uh, uh, Our dog has a problem now. He's been limping for weeks. He gets better, a little bit better, but then goes back. I'm not sure what it is, but... uh, yeah, talking about it to the vet and all that. I hope that it's hope that it's going to go uh, resolve itself. But the creature suffers. In this case, our animal friends suffer. There's. Suffering out there, and the earth and the uh, the earth quakes and it shakes and it's in turmoil. It's on fire. It explodes with volcanic eruptions. It has tsunamis and all kinds of terrible storms. This was not paradise. And there's no way the Green Deal is going to bring on Earth paradise. Jesus Christ will. When he returns. But no politician and no group of people, no scientists or scientists will will be able to accomplish. Because the earth, the world, the plant life, the animal life, the whole planet has been subject to vanity because of the sin of man. This is what sin has brought upon the creation itself. See, when we sin, it's not just detached. It affects others. Adam's sin affected the entire world in which we live to this day. So all this shaking and quaking and squirming and squealing and whatever is all because... Of sin. Way out. The way out. What is the way out of this? Hope. Hope. We are saved by hope. In our version, and perhaps in your version it says it, we are saved in hope. Both are applicable. Distinguish that in a little bit. But I also want to point out uh, from verse 23 and not only they meaning the creatures and creation not only they but ourselves also which are the first fruits of the spirit even we ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to with the redemption of our body so every place everywhere the whole entire universe certainly the earth and everything in it But especially us, we're waiting, waiting for the redemption of our bodies. Great resurrection day. And the new heavens and the new earth will begin. (coughs) Can't wait. So I want to take a a little bit more of a look towards this gift of hope explain it, flesh it out just a little. want we'll to talk about the blessed hope that we have and then the salvific hope. Those sweet things. Gifted hope, blessed hope, salvific hope. So we have this, uh, this, this treasure given to us, right? Faith, hope, and love, right? Those are gifts of God given to us, his children. We have this treasure and what a gift it is. And yet... He's still grown. What's happening here? Well, what is this hope? And how does it differ from faith? Well, faith looks to the past and to the present as well as to the future. Hope exclusively to the future. There's a difference right there. Hope is what animates our faith. A faith um, it, by faith, we're informed. We're, we're given knowledge about God and about His, uh, his Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, may, being born again, and, and guidance in the Bible, and all that. Uh-huh. And all the promises of God that are made are yea and amen in Christ Jesus we are told, right? What hope does is it looks forward to the promise being realized of eternal salvation. And so it sort of gives us an expectation of our future which is bright, and therefore it lifts us up. It lifts us up like the like the psalmist said, like we just sang from Psalm 42 why are you downcast soul hope in the Lord your future is bright it's wonderful so hope is is an earnest expectation of what's coming that we can expect now everyone hopes there's a difference between the hope which Paul is talking about that whereby we're saved Uh, as the Apostle Peter points out, resurrection hope, and the hope that, you know, common people have. Everybody has faith, right? But not salvific faith. Everybody has hope, but not saving hope. Everybody has love, but not the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. But they have a semblance of it. So people kind of know what we are saying, kind of understand when we talk about hope. Well, I hope that this week, especially on the weekend, we're supposed to get together, the family and friends and all, in the back over there, and have a gathering, a party, uh, and uh, just, you know, good time. I hope it doesn't rain on our parade, Lord. But, you know, a lot of those hopes (laughs) evaporate because, hey, it may rain. Or, you know, I hope that I get over the sickness I have, and many times we do, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes it, st- it stays with us, and it just brings us down to the grave, eventually. I know my diseases will bring me down to the grave, unless, you know, a car smashes me or something like that. But that's not the hope. Our individual hopes uh, for getting better and having our way with the day and all that, they... They come and they go. This is a hope, an expectation that is sure. So hope not only looks to the future and it's bright and has an earnest expectation about its future, but hope is sure, it's certain. The hope of uh, of which the apostle speaks is a, a sure hope that this is going to happen. No matter what the situation in our life is now, no matter what darkness that is upon the creation itself that is involved in our lives, that is upon our lives, no matter what uh, troubles we may be having, setbacks there are, no matter who's in charge of what, no matter if the United States loses a lot of its uh, its clout in the world because of bad leadership, the country that we live in, that we love, is diminished. No matter the churches, many of the churches, mainline denominations, all gone astray. Many people led astray by error, we have hope, hope that what God promises in Jesus Christ for our future is as certain as Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and rising again on the third day and ascending into heaven and at the right hand of God the Father, that's where we are going to be, with him. That is certain. That is sure. And the gospel tells me so. And so I know that all the promises of God are yea and amen in Jesus Christ. And hope secures that. This gift of hope, this spiritual gift. So not only does it look to a bright future, not only does it gives us a, a, a certainty that things are going to go right, because God's in control. But an, another thing this uh, this hope does, as has been pointed out, is that it's going to be a, uh, a future full of bliss, of peace, of joy. Beyond words right now. It, it's going to be so bright... You know, you can't even describe it with words. You can't look at it, if I may mix uh, metaphor a little bit. God is going to take us to be with him as his children. He's going to populate heaven with angels and with saints made perfect. We are going to be invited into heaven by none other than the Lord himself, who says, well done, my blessed son enter into my joy forever. We believe the word of God that says that we too shall rise like Jesus from the grave. That in fact, the souls of those dearly departed ones, those loved ones who believe as we believe, are in heaven right now with the angels. They've become like the angels. Not angels. They haven't become angels. But they become like the angels. And they are in the presence of God and joy. But that's not the end of it. That's only the first major blessing or the second one. The first one is that we're saved now. But that, when our soul existence is in the presence of God with the angels... But then we're going to die, but we're not going to die. We're going to rise again. And our body and our soul are going to be joined together and we're going to be like Jesus in that way, perfectly sinless, immortal, for non-corrupt, uncorrupt. And we are going to identify so much the better with Jesus Christ in the days ahead. In the day ahead. Mm. And the paradise, the paradise that he is going to create, the new uh, heaven and the new earth, heaven and earth become one, can't fall from it. The first paradise was a shadow of the paradise to come. A shadow. Why anyone should put any confidence on the fallen earth, which is not a paradise now. It's groaning and travailing like a woman in labor. And every one of you as well is doing that from time to time. Look at all the sicknesses, look at all the accidents, look at all the surgeries, look at all this stuff. Isn't this paradise? Can it ever be? But the paradise that was didn't have any of this stuff. And yet the paradise to come is far better. Outshines that first paradise so that that first paradise disappears In its light, no less this present existence, completely gone, disappears in an instant. And the new heavens, the new earth, appear. And we're part of that. No more tears, no more crying. No more sorrow. No more pain. My oh my. And the best thing about it is you can't lose it. The first one was lost. Paradise lost. This one regained by Jesus Christ cannot be lost. What a blessed thing. And hope ascertains this hope grasp onto this that's a, a spiritual gift of hope which the world doesn't know about that this kind of hope doesn't doesn't have it can't see it can't feel it their expectation of future is very dim most troubling to them, most troubling. That's why they want to latch on to life as long as possible. Give me more. Give me more medicine. Give me more. Give me a fountain of youth, elixir, so that I can live 150 years or 200 years. The science is saying that now isn't liars. But even if you could live 150 or 200 years, in this world, Really? So you want to suffer more? Instead of suffering for 80 years, you want to suffer 180 years. I mean, go for it. Tick tock. What's wrong with you? What a blessed hope it is. Gift of hope. The blessing of hope. Uh, The Apostle Paul... Uh, in his journey to Rome, was on a uh, ship that was being tossed to and fro. The storm was going to tear it apart. And the professional sailors and many of the people those days, they took a lot of boats and ships and all that. They knew about the sea and about the storm. They could read this one and it was going to, it it was, it, it could kill them all. They knew it. But Paul was given a word, a revelation from God. And he was told that if you stay on this ship with me, everyone will arrive at shore safe. The boat's going to be completely destroyed, but everyone will live. Paul had hope that what God told him Would happen. And it did. We are saved by hope. I want to make a distinction now, as others have done. Uh, Commentators have done this, and uh, pastors and others. uh, In this case, a missionary. He writes about the the difference between by hope, which is in our, our King James Version, and in hope, which may be in some other versions. I think both are true, but if you want to say one over the other, probably in hope is the better way to interpret this than by hope, that we are saved in hope, not just by hope. Well, what does it mean to be saved by hope? What does the apostle uh, perhaps mean here? Well, first of all, he teaches in another place, in Ephesians, for example, that we are saved by faith, right? Saved by faith, uh, by grace through faith, not of yourselves. So we're saved by grace, we're saved by faith, and uh, it may very well be that we are also, as the Apostle says here, interpreted here, translated here, we're saved by hope. Hope in what? Hope in Jesus Christ. Hope in Christ, that uh, we have faith that Christ died for our sins so that we will not be punished by God for them. Faith uh, and uh, hope in Christ that he rose from the grave on the third day and ascended into heaven. And there he is at the right hand of God. And hope in Christ that he will return from heaven for us. So in that sense, Paul, when he says that we are saved, and it's translated this way here, when we are saved by hope, we're saved by hope in Christ in his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, and his coming again. So the hope is that he's, since he w- he died for our sins, he rose from the grave for our justification, he ascended into heaven, the hope is that he's coming again. All that other stuff is true, that must be true as well. That's the hope, that's being saved by that hope, that he will return and bring us to be with him. The other way to look at this is that, and commentators have uh, have mentioned this, that uh, it is okay to say we're saved by hope, and that's true enough, but we're also saved in hope. Now, what does that mean? What are they implying here, in hope? Understand by hope, by Christ coming again, what's in hope? Well, in hope is this. Think of it this way: we are saved in hope, not in fullness yet. We're we're saved in hope, but not in fullness yet. What does that mean? We have been saved in the past. To faith in Jesus Christ. All of us have been saved. That believe. Our sins have been forgiven. The punishment that God had to enact because of his justice. The punishment against us for our sins. Christ took on. So all of our sins at the cross of Christ, have been punished. Not only that, but the perfect obedience to the law of God that has to be performed because if you break one law, you break them all and you're a lawbreaker and you're condemned. Christ fulfilled by his obedience, his perfect obedience to the law, to the Ten Commandments, for example, his perfect obedience. He did that for us. That is our obedience. So that we have fulfilled, through Christ, the law perfectly. Now that's all reckoned to us. That's what our justification tells us. So that we are Now, here, before God, perfectly righteous in his sight, we don't need to be punished for a single sin. Christ served punishment. doesn't mean we don't need to be disciplined for the sin that still remains. And that we are being disciplined. But that's, we're not being punished. Punishment is not for us anymore. Christ took the punishment. We are chastened, chastened, and disciplined. When the apostle says that we're saved not only by hope, or means that we're saved not only by hope, but in hope, that salvation that we have, that wonderful blessing of salvation that is is in us and with us and upon us, we have, we've been, when we believed in Jesus Christ, however many years ago it was, or maybe you were born in the faith and you don't remember a day or a time when you did not believe, whatever it is, whichever it is for you, is, is still happening in the present. You were saved back then, you are saved to the present time. Being saved in this way in hope, but not in fullness yet, means that our salvation, God has determined that our salvation, the fullness and the richness and the the magnificence of the great salvation that has been given to us in Jesus Christ, is still ahead. We are saved completely for eternity in principle now but not yet in fullness. So we hope. We hope for the full effect of our salvation to come. That's what it means to be saved in hope. Just as the creation is saved in hope. The creation, it squirms, it squirts, it quakes, it erupts, it burns, it writhes in pain. And agony. But in hope, the creation itself will come out of all of that into a glorious future. The fullness of it has not yet been revealed. And so that's what it means to be saved in hope and not in fullness. We're still hoping that our salvation is going to blossom. Blossom. All the promises, make all the promises of God, yes and may. So, for example, my full salvation says that I no longer sin. There's no sin in me. I don't have to wrestle with sin. I don't have to confess any sin anymore. I don't have to repent or walk away from any sin. I am totally free from sinning. That's full salvation, right? That I no longer sin. Has that happened yet? No, but hope ascertains it will happen in our future that I will be free from all sinning. Another thing about this hope being full, full salvation is that I'm being, I'm free from my enemies. And the biggest enemy is the arch enemy, the devil himself that makes accusation, whispers accusation and threats and temptations, and all that in my ear. No more. He will be gone as well. He will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever and ever. That's his end. And we will no longer have him, as he's called in the scripture, the... uh, adversary, the accuser of the brethren, uh, the red dragon and such, he will be gone. No more battle with him. In full salvation, which my hope ascertains, in full salvation I will be delivered from the present sufferings. Now remember, all of this, the Sin that still is within me, that I wrestle, the arch enemy that makes accusation against me, accuses me of this and that, the temptations that he brings my way, and all that, and the sufferings that I have, the suffering of loss, the suffering of setback, the suffering of people. Uh, Not liking you or disdaining you or all that. The the sufferings of this life cause us all to groan. We groan within us, ourselves. Even as the creation, it's being interpreted here in the scripture, pictured in the scripture as groans. And the groans and travails of a woman in labor. That's the picture here. We groan too because of our sin. Blessed are they who sorrow, who weep over their sin. They shall be comforted. Blessed are they who... Receive all manner of revile and evil that is cast against you for my sake. Blessed are you, for so they persecuted the prophets and the apostles as well. And Jesus Christ himself. Blessed are you when you suffer loss and sadness and discomforts of all kinds in this world. And you see the ones that you love suffering even more so than you are. Crying and weeping in pain and in agony. And it hits home. Blessed are you that have this hope that all of this is gone away. And so he says here in verse 25, and I'll end with this. But if we hope for that we see not, then we do wait with patience for it. My, uh, as you know, my daughter just had a baby. And uh, she and the baby are doing very well. And, you know, I call her up and on Facebook you can see her smile. She's really happy. Of course, the baby's, you know, healthy, and she feels good. And, but it wasn't the case before. You know, during the, 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 the pregnancy, you know, she had her good moments and all that stuff. But, you know, she was sick a lot. And she had to take special medicine so she wasn't always puking, you know. I mean, you know, women know that best of all, I guess. And then as it started to approach the last, she's in the last trimester, and then the last month of the last trimester, and the the last weeks of it, it really became uncomfortable, and uh, couldn't sleep, couldn't eat very well. You know, things were very, you you know that. Uh, And then, of course, the labor. And that was, you know, Give me something to take this pain away before you know I break. But then afterwards, it's done. She's all smiles, and the baby is smiling now. Probably because of gas, I suppose. I say, but smiling, and you know, it's just it's just a pleasure. This is the picture that we have here in Romans chapter eight of the creature, the creation, and of us. Ourselves, that we wait just like the woman has to wait those nine months. You don't want to do it, you don't want to have that baby too soon. You want (coughs) to wait until the time is right for that baby to come, and then happiness follows. You don't want to do it too soon. You don't want to just, I can't take this. Get it? That's why people get abortions, among, among other things. We're being told here, just like the woman who waits until the time is right and has that baby safely and wonderfully, we are to patiently wait and not take matters into our own hands. That's why, you know, taking our own lives and the lives of others, no. No, God is saying here, we wait patiently for the time when the the Lord says it's right. When the Lord says this is the time. Not until then. That's what he means when he says we wait patiently for it. We don't take matters into our own hands. We don't say enough is enough. Now is the time. No, your time, Lord, is my time. You know the best time. And hope is what ascertains that. Hope is what grasps onto that. God knows the time. And I'm looking to Him for the right time. May we all be saved by hope and in hope. Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, thank you for your word. Your word is truth. Your word is deep. It's wonderful. It's a just. It's a treasure. It, has, it just holds so many treasures. Lord, this is one of the, the gifts of faith and hope and love. And this wonderful gift of hope, Lord, we are looking to our future. A future that you have appointed each and every one of us to enter into in your time. May we look forward to it in Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen.